LCI has seven manufacturing facilities. We have three distribution centers and 59 retail stores located on military bases across the U.S. and in Japan. We operate a workforce innovation center where we teach our employees job enhancement skills that allows them to get promotions within LCI or even leave and go to other non-Ability One companies such as Amazon, Google, and Lenovo that we've actually had our employees go and start working there. Welcome to season two of the Policy Vets podcast, engaging with leaders, scholars, and strong voices to fill a void in support of policy development for America's veterans. With your host, former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dr. David Shulkin, and the Executive Director of Policy Vets, Lou Chelly. Today's guest, Michael Monteferrante, the CEO of Envision Corp, and Patrick Lindsay, the President of LC Industries. Both are leading Ability One goods and services providers. Mr. Secretary, have you ever been unemployed? Uh, a lot of people would say even when I had a job, <laughs> I really was unemployed. But no, I, I've never been through an extensive period of unemployment. You know, for many of us, you know, our profession is, is so much more than just a source of income. It's, it's the foundation of who we are and, and represents our values. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of data that suggests that being employed, having meaningful work is so associated with physical health and actually even mortality, that when people retire against their will, that often is one of the life-shortening events that they have. Unemployment, and, or underemployment for that matter, is also a factor in depression, and for so many reasons. I, I know that this is an area that, that you have an, an extensive understanding in. Yeah, definitely. I think that's right, and it's one of the reasons why I know that both you and I feel so strongly about continuing to improve the VA disability program, because the idea that just giving people income is enough, particularly when there are ways to help them regain meaning in their life through employment, I think that we have to make sure that we have our system right. And I'm not convinced we do today, because this is such a vital part of, especially take a veteran who who largely is mission-driven, motivated to contribute, to, to give back to others, and you take that away from them, that ability to work, that's often devastating for them and their families. I couldn't agree more. As a matter of fact, we saw just this week that the VA came out with a $20 million challenge. You know, I, know, I noticed, I didn't mean to scoff, I noticed that the very first initiative on there was making sure that their weapons were secured, but... I got to tell you that there are so many more, so many issues, so so much deeper issues that need to be addressed than just making sure that they don't have access to harm themselves. They really have to start at the root of the problem. That's right. And, you know, that's why I think we're seeing so much attention to what's called these social determinants of health. A person's economic condition, a person's employment status, a person's family life, the communities that they live in, their access to good food and nutrition, their ability to participate and have good social interactions with community members. These are all things that frankly impact a person's health and wellness more than a person's actual medical condition. In fact, it's why the strongest predictor of somebody's total health is actually still today their zip code where they live rather than the conditions they have. You know, and as you point out, there's so much more than just programs designed to assist 
with family income. You know, some of these programs were established to tap into underrepresented job markets to ensure that eligible employees had fair and equal ability to compete for employment when they might otherwise have been considered disabled or, or otherwise biased. That's right. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to have our guest today, because these are people that lead organizations that don't look at people who have uh, certain problems as disabilities. They look at them as actually advantages and that these people, even with what other people consider significant disabilities, that these people make excellent employees and provide uh, stability in a workforce that frankly is increasingly unstable. So uh, these types of programs we're going to hear about today, I think are really important. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And one program that was designed to ensure the people who are blind or have significant disabilities to employment, you know, have options and, and they use a very clear mechanism, the federal procurement system, you know, by giving companies that offer employment to these communities special preference when bidding on government contracts, it really helps build the entire program. That's right. And I'm amazed that, that a lot of people don't know about these programs and, and how important they are. But, you know, particularly when it comes to our veteran community, the VA does such a good job in their blind rehabilitation programs and in really having low vision services that this is such an important added component that while getting the vision back to wherever it can get to, that for those that still have limited vision, finding meaningful employment is certainly one of the best things we can do for them. You know, it's really interesting. The program that started this all was the Javis Wagner O'Day Act, and it was passed back in the 70s and, and established the program that required federal industries, uh, federal agencies rather, to, you know, to purchase from companies who maintained a staff of at least 75% performing the direct labor like we'll hear about today. And, you know, I can see how that one program could affect an entire industry. As we know, military service is dangerous and, and hazardous work and, and veterans who have service-connected disabilities in most cases still either work professionally or, or want to work professionally regardless of the extent of their injuries or illness. That's right. Well, why don't we listen and get our guests in here, and uh, I think people are going to find these really interesting businesses. Can't wait. So we're getting ready to hear from Patrick Lindsay, who runs LC Industries, and we're going to hear from Michael Monteferrante, who is the CEO of Envision Industries. So I can't wait to get them in here. Great. Thanks, Lou. Michael, Patrick, welcome to the Policy Vets podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Lou and Mr. Secretary. Great to be with you today. I agree. Thank you for having us. Okay. Well, thanks. It's really good to have both of you here. So, Michael, why don't we just start with you? Envision is really a pretty amazing not-for-profit operation, and I want to hear more about it. But before we get into that, would you mind just talking a little bit about what the Ability One program is and why that's such an important program? Yes, a very important program. It's really a derivative of the Wagner O'Day Act from 1938 which was established by Congress to support programs and work opportunities for blind and visually impaired organizations. And then in 1971, it was modified where Jacob Javits from New York 
got involved to expand the program, and then it's currently known as JWAD, Jacob Wagner O'Day Act, right, of 1971. And so Ability One is the oversight organization that oversees two CNAs. One is National Industries for the Blind, of which Patrick and I are involved in, and the other one is Source America, formerly NISH, the National Industries for the Severely Handicapped. And so under the CNA of NIB, Envision and LCI operate the organizations that you know, you've described at this point in terms of what Envision is. And uh, Ability One basically oversees it, reports to Congress in regards to you know, the productivity you know, of the field. And it's made up of basically the individuals assigned by the uh, armed forces and various other segments of the government and then appointed they have presidential appointees that are private citizens. So basically, Michael, what you're saying is this is an organization that helps employ blind Americans and increasingly also focused on veterans as well. That's correct. You know, Lou, it's amazing that you can be a senator back in the 30s and still be having an impact on people's lives today. So so I think that should be our goal for policy vets, to get some legislation to help veterans <laughs> after policy vets so that long after we're gone, we're still doing good things. You know, I think with as, as many topics as we've touched on, I think that's entirely possible. So, you know, Patrick, based on what Michael said, LCI is, is one of the largest employers of blind or visually impaired employees in the country and maybe even the world since I'm really unaware of any other country that has programs like this. Can you tell us exactly how an Ability One company works? Sure, we're glad to. I am not aware of any country that has the same program that the U.S. does such as this. But the main distinction between an Ability One company and a normal company is an Ability One company has 75% of its direct labor, its employees have vision loss or significant disabilities. So it, with those employees, an Ability One company will manufacture various products or they perform services through contracts granted by the federal government. Now, Patrick, so LCI is really an umbrella organization that includes lots of things like services and workforce innovation. But can you help us understand how it all works together and why it works so well? Yes, be glad to. It's a great business model that we have. So LCI has seven manufacturing facilities. We have three distribution centers and 59 retail stores located on military bases across the U.S. and in Japan. We operate a workforce innovation center where we teach our employees job enhancement skills that allows them to get promotions within LCI or even leave and go to other non-Ability One companies such as Amazon, Google, and Lenovo that we've actually had our employees go and start working there. We support a foundation whose sole mission is to enhance the lives of people who are blind. And we partner with the Duke Eye Center, which is ranked seventh in the world, to house the LCI Low Vision Clinic, where our employees and even non-employees go to get the best eye care available. So, Michael, to be clear, the, the Javits-Wagner O'Day Act that you talked about just a few minutes ago doesn't require companies participating in the Ability One program to have these additional programs, right? I mean, for instance, Envision, in addition to your research lab, has a daycare center and other projects and an art program and a storefront 
you know, with a studio, that's not part of the requirements of this program, is it? Yeah, that's correct. The uh, Jacob Wagner O'Day Act is focused around direct employment for individuals who are blind and visually impaired, and there's a legal requirement to have 75% of your direct employees be blind or visually impaired to have the opportunity to acquire some of these contracts. And so what our mission, what we've got is obviously that we have a 92% ratio of our direct employees in Wichita and uh, 87% in our formerly Dallas Lighthouse for the Blind that's now Envision Dallas. But what we've decided to do in terms of our mission to reach and impact more blind and visually impaired individuals is we have our mission services end, which is totally dedicated to you know indirect causes for the most part. Early child development, coalescing blind kids and typically sighted kids, a rehabilitation center, regardless of people's ability to play, to uh, service their macular degenerational needs, uh, regardless of their ability to pay. We have a research institute that's focused with fellows from around the world. We have a workforce innovation center where we're progressing folks from their current state to professional knowledge-based jobs, where that is a, a joint venture with Envision and LC Industries in terms of what they're doing. And then we have 21 different programs that we serve from young children all the way through senior adults to where we've compounded the impact to people who are blind and visually impaired from our manufacturing and service organizations and our philanthropic efforts. Michael, when I listen to you talk, you sound like a not-for-profit guy, but you know, I want to be clear you and Patrick are capitalists. You're not out there asking for philanthropy. You're out there making money. And so why does what you're focused on, why is it profitable? Why is it a good business? Well, it's a great business on two fronts, right? One, we have the opportunity, a lot of our business is with Department of Defense. So we have the ability as an essential place to work for the United States government to power through things like COVID and so forth to supply war fighters with their needs. One of the programs that we have, which LCI created over a quarter of a century ago, is to have um, locations on the base supply centers of all 158 installations in the United States, of which we're on 16 of them, and you know I think LCI is on about 58 of them. And so we, we have supplies to keep our war fighters mobilized and ready to deploy uh, throughout the world. And so what we do is we sell these products, we make these products, we're manufacturers, we make 65% of the global use of the United States military's plastic bags. We're the second largest producer of business cards for the federal government. So what we do is we make margin off those products. And what we do with that margin is then we re remobilize it into the services that I've just discussed. And many of the services that we're talking about today are not available in many states. And so it's a great business model because one, we are supporting our war fighters throughout the world. And two, we're employing blind, visually impaired people, which is a 70% unemployment rate in the United States. And then three, now we're ready to mobilize those into services to serve thousands and thousands of people. Patrick, I'm just going to give you a chance. Michael really teed up an excellent point that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be wondering about. So, you know, LCI uses blind and low vision employees in manufacturing, distribution, wholesale and retail sales. It's not only 
cost competitive, but superior quality as well, which I think may surprise some of the people who are listening to this program that think that these programs have to accept maybe a lower quality in exchange for hiring people with medical needs. Is that consistent with what you've seen? Is it consistent? Yes, consistent that the Ability One companies supply quality products, yes. And so basically, and Michael touched on this, our companies, our let me say it this way, our employees know that the products they're making are being utilized by the nation's warfighters. So they take great pride in their daily production of those products. You see, our employees are not eligible for the military service. So the next best thing to them is being able to produce the products that our military uses. They produce products such as the J-Spoon, Kim Lights, or the five-gallon water can. They know those are being used in exercises, deployments, or at times of war. So the quality has to be 100%. Also, LCI Envision and other Ability One companies, we also compete for full and open competitive contracts with the federal government. So we have to have the price right, we have to have the quality in order to win those contracts. Finally, we also sell our products on the commercial market. For example, in our Hazelhurst, Mississippi plant, on a daily basis, we produce mops that are sold in Walmarts across the United States. All of this means that the quality and the price of our products have to be competitive. Okay, so Michael, let's get to the focus of what Lou and I usually talk about on this podcast, veterans. Tell us about whether these programs focus on veterans, how you're doing with employing veterans in, in your efforts. Both of our organizations have veterans you know, in our workforce, and um, we've recently aligned to do everything we can to accelerate and multiply the amount of veterans in our organizations. And so there has been some focus on this in the past, but we are amplifying it and uh, moving in a very assertive manner to hire more veterans moving forward. And I mean hiring more veterans not only in our manufacturing facilities, but hiring more veterans in our service facilities, serving more veterans in terms of their needs through not only research, but the services that we supply, and then also hiring more veterans in our base supply stores. And we have, you know, Patrick's got many, and he can talk about those, but we're in all types of areas of the United States, and we need more veterans working on our bases in America. And we want to take the lead and do everything we can to come up with new concepts of recruiting more blind veterans to work in our organizations. Michael, I want to go back for a minute to something you and Patrick both touched on, and that's quality. And then to talk about manufacturing facilities and and the inherent danger in working in a manufacturing facility to begin with. So the first thing that I was lucky enough to come down to Wichita and, and be able to tour one of your facilities. And I mean, right away, I noticed the first thing I noticed was it was immaculate. I've been to a lot of manufacturing facilities, you know, in my career. I mean, it was immaculate. There was nothing on the floor. Nothing was out of place. No boxes laying where they shouldn't have been. It was really impressive. And I, I watched the employees and they were precision timed, each one of them operating, feeding a machine, clearing products from the machine. I really enjoyed watching. I mean, here's my question. With a workforce that's at least 75% blind or low vision employees, and in your case, I heard you say 83 to 
Working around open machinery all day, how would you say your accident and injury rates are compared to other manufacturing facilities? And, you know, with a full understanding that manufacturing accidents are very common across the industry. Yeah, fortunately, we have great quality and safety assurances here at Envision, which I know LCI has also. It's outstanding. It's above the industry average. Our blind and visually impaired folks take extra care in terms of how they move and how they mobilize. They're well-oriented in terms of their workplace, and uh, they have a direct path on what they do, and they're very careful. They're incredibly reliable, and they're incredibly dependable. Our on-time work performance and our consistency of work, like I mentioned earlier, you know, as a an organization that was required to work through the pandemic, we never missed a beat. Okay, we were we were at work every single day, both of our organizations, uh, to supply what we needed to do. So, in a very safe, consistent, and reliable and high-end quality environment. Patrick, have at it. Yeah, I'd just like to add, I mean, Michael's touched on it. We were deemed essential personnel, all of our employees, when the pandemic started. And so those military bases continued to operate, even though they sent a lot of them home. But they still had to operate. And their number one need was PPE. And so we had people at both of our companies, our purchasing department, scouring the supply chain. And we consistently came through and were able to supply our bases with the PPE products that they needed throughout the entire pandemic. Now, Patrick, Ability One is a federal procurement program. And we know that veterans already have a federal procurement preference. So do you ever find that Ability One is conflicting with other veteran preference hiring programs? We believe that the Ability One program actually complements the veteran preference contracting programs. You know, the 2022 national defense budget is $782 billion. There is more than enough business for all the socioeconomic programs to exist in a complementary way instead of the fighting that we've seen in the past. You know, I'd like to point out, we were talking about veterans earlier and LC Industries currently today, we have 45 veterans on staff. We have over 100 job openings posted now, and we would love to fill every one of them with a veteran if at all possible. I mean, Patrick, I tend to agree. I mean, I've heard both sides of the discussion regarding socioeconomic programs. And I mean, really, isn't it true that these programs account for just a very small percentage of overall government spending each year? It is. It is. And I'll give you a prime example. So I mentioned earlier that LCI and Envision, we're out there and we also compete for full and open contracts. And so we've we've won multiple of them. And just one of the ones that we won, that contract has a requirement. We want an open contract to supply products on the Korea basis. And so, but within that contract, it had a requirement that 25% of the products that we supplied through the contract had to be purchased from socioeconomic businesses. So if you look at the inverse, that means that 75% can be purchased on the open market. So there is that's one example. There is more than enough to go around for all the programs. Now, Michael, one of the things about the way that you hire people is, is that you're using something called a sub-minimum wage. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? And also, does it make it hard to recruit for these positions? Yeah, so this is a, uh, a 14C certificate that was associated in prior years to permit individuals 
uh, to be paid under the minimum wage. That is now being completely phased out and has been from National Industries for the Blind and is on its way to being phased out across the board within the Ability One situation. So, Michael, I'm really encouraged to hear that the industry is moving away from the subminimum wage model because you know, one of the challenges that some of the employees face, you know, with some of the income restrictions and, you know, they end up in a very complicated place where if they make too much, often less than what their disability assistance income would be, they risk losing their disability income and wind up making less if they actually worked. So, you know, having uh, competitive wages is really critical to keeping the program alive, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Now, Michael, If any veteran out there is interested in applying for a job or even just learning more about either one of your programs, is there a place they can go? Is there a website that you have to send them to? Yes, absolutely. Info at envisionus.com is an excellent location to start. And then to learn more about Envision is our overall website, www.envisionus.com. And Patrick, how about for you? Is there a place people can go to learn about your organizations? Absolutely, yes. We have a webpage. It's lcindustries.com. And if you're looking for a career with us, you can go there. And up at the top right-hand corner, there's careers. And you can click on that. And as I said earlier, we have over 100 open positions currently. So if you're interested in a great career, please please apply. Now, this may sound like a ridiculous question, but if you're you know, have low vision or blind, how do you get information from a website? So that's actually a great question. So both Envision and LCI have services that's called accessibility testing, but there's a a law on the books that all websites are required to be accessible by people who are blind and visually impaired. And so they have screen readers and there's different techniques that they can use and programs that help them navigate the web and you would be surprised as far as on their phones as well there's there's apps on their phone that help them read it so i will actually say that i have been humbled by some of our employees that are totally blind that can navigate the web better than i can yeah thanks for sharing that i also understand that in addition to making sure that the websites are accessible that there are other other programs that you offer, for instance, I heard uh, in some cases you offer relocation for your employees. In some cases, there are shuttles that you know that help them because they can't drive. So it's just a lot of extra supportive services. And so, Patrick and Michael, you know, thank you so much for helping our listeners understand more about this program. And you know, we're just about out of time. But before we go, I want to make sure that. You know, we always want to make sure that our guests get the last word. Is there anything that we haven't covered or missed that you think that our listeners might want to know about? And Patrick, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. I think we've covered it all. I appreciate you hosting and having us on to to spread the word about the Ability One program, and especially LC Industries and Envision. And Michael? Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you, Lou. Yeah. Thanks for the great work you guys are doing. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you, sir. And that really is all the time that we have for this week. Listen, join us next week where we're going to have Bonnie Carillon, who runs the TAPS program. This is an amazing program that started many years ago. You're going to want to hear about this. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Policy Vets podcast. For more information about projects and other podcasts, go to policyvets.org.